0: Um, Hi, guys. How are you doing? Um, It's good to see you. Wow, what a morning. Doesn't Stephen speak fast? (laughs) God bless him. My head is still spinning, but it's good to be here. We we are uh, continuing um, in our series on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount is uh, perhaps uh, the most famous sermon of all time. Um, It's uh, Jesus's Uh, masterful exposition of uh, the Old Testament law of God and uh, we're going to be specifically looking at the section where uh, Jesus talks about anger, anger. So I thought I would start off um, by asking you a question. That question is this, uh, what makes you angry? Uh, What makes you angry? Uh, I'll start off, okay, I'll, I'll go first. Traffic lights, right? Traffic lights make... Did I get an amen? <laughs> Traffic lights make me angry, right? Particularly when they're red. You know, when they're sort of orange and you're sort of driving and you're like, am I going to get through the amber light? And it turns red and you slam the brakes on. And I'm kind of that guy, sorry. Traffic lights make me angry. What, what else? Well, I'll give you the, the number one thing that makes me angry, okay? The number one thing. And it happens in the summer. And if you are a native of Brighton, you will understand what I'm about to say. The number one thing that makes me angry in the summers, seagulls. <laughs> yeah, seagulls, right? They sort of look... Another amen! They're, they're, they look like sort of cute... Well, actually, they don't. They look ghastly. Um, but they're, they're weird, right? If, if you live in Brighton, you would have been woken up at some time at five in the morning to the sound of a seagull party, and like, there's like 20 of them on your drive or 20 of them in the car park, and like, no one knows what they're saying, no one knows what they're doing, but they're having a good time doing and saying it, and it's, like, it's so annoying, and, then, I, and seagulls are known to, uh, if you go to Brighton Pier, swoop down like pterodactyls and, and steal uh, ice creams from little children's hands, so they're little thieves as well. And don't you dare try and wash your car in the summer. Don't you dare. <laughs> right? Right? So you're there, it's Saturday afternoon, you think, do you know what, I'm going to wash my car, you get out, you wash it. Little do you know that they're having a little seagull strategic meeting waiting for you to finish washing your car so they can absolutely defecate all over it. And they fly over, as soon as you walk into your house, and they're like, just absolutely covering your pa- car in boo. And if you leave it on, like what happens is that it goes through the paintwork of your car. And so when you do wash it after two or three weeks, it's like you need to like repaint your whole car. Seagulls make me really angry. And what's even more frustrating is that you may have friends or, or, or family that may come down to Brighton for the day in the summer, and then you, you probably will hear something along the lines of Shh, shh 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 oh oh I, I love that sound. Oh, The sound of seagulls. And you're like, no, don't give them any credit. They're evil things. I hate seagulls. And I've come to the conclusion that seagulls, uh, well, they're immortal. uh, Because I have seen on West Street in Brighton, no word of a lie, I've seen a seagull get run over by a saloon vehicle, right? Only for it to come out the other side doing this. Like... (laughs) doing this I'm like hang on a second you at least know what I'm not joking he was it was run over and what was even more frustrating is it looks better after it was run over than before it was run over I've come to the conclusion that seagulls are immortals seagulls uh, make me uh, angry but is this the sort of anger God wants us to have <laughs> I wonder so what we're going to do is we're going to read the scripture then they'll pray that we'll get to work And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Father God, we just we just ask now for um, your Holy Spirit. We've heard about His activity already. And Lord, we ask that he would be so present in each and every one of our hearts and minds. Lord, would Jesus shine this morning through our time together? Would we love him more? And would we get great freedom as well through him? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, I I, I joke at the beginning, but anger really is kind of part of the air that we uh, breathe. Anger is um, perhaps perhaps now more than ever for us as a nation, an issue. Um, There's lots of anger everywhere. There's there's anger from left-winged leaning people. There's anger from right-winged leaning people. There's anger at politicians. There's anger at big multinational corporations. Uh, There's lots of anger in music, drill music, certain kinds of trap music, going right to the other side of the genre's metal lots of anger in music there's anger in sport uh, a few weeks ago there's a footballer called jack grealish he plays for aston villa there was a fan that sort of broke free from the stewards ran onto the pitch and punched him in the face uh, lots of anger in sport uh, twitter uh, the place where you are able to post a picture of your cat and be threatened with death Lots of anger on uh, social media channels like that. Anger from extremists. Even the last week, I'm sure you would have seen the horrendous uh, scenes happening in New Zealand. A- and not just not just in New Zealand, over the last number of years. Uh, terrorist atrocities that we have seen. Lots of hate, lots of anger. So anger, as I say, more than ever for us as a nation is really... It's really the air we breathe. Uh, But anger isn't a new phenomenon. It's not new. Anger is old. Uh, Anger has been with us since the uh, very beginning. If we go back to our first parents, Adam and Eve, they had uh, a son called Cain, a son called Abel. Uh, Cain hated Abel. Cain murdered Abel. Uh, Therefore, anger really has been with us again from the beginning. It's part of... Uh, our human DNA and our fallen uh, human DNA. But why? Why do we get angry? Why do we get angry at all? Is it, is it like just a chemical reaction in our sort of brains that just happens and we just fly off the handle? Wh- why? Well, uh, the reality is this, that anger isn't unique to humans. Uh, animals can get angry. You, you, you poke a bear, you get an angry bear. You, you prod a beehive, you get angry bees. This kind of anger isn't unique to humanity. However, there is a kind of anger that is. There's a kind of anger that sets us apart from the animal kingdom. And that kind of anger is this. That something in you cries out, for justice something in you cries out for justice I will call this uh, righteous anger and it's an anger that is not just seen in adults perhaps it's even more clearly seen in children if you've got young kids maybe you have nieces, nephews, cousins maybe you work with children at some point you would have heard them say but it's not Fair. They're they're deep in the code of what it is to be a human. human. We want fairness. We want justice. We want things to be right. But why? Why Why do humans uniquely have that trait? Where does it come from? Why do the animals not have that? Well, the Bible explains it this way. That God has made us humans in his image and likeness. We, We humans are kind of like God. And the reason that we can bear a righteous indignation is because he bears a righteous indignation. God gets angry. But let me say this anger isn't the first word about God. I would argue that there are other words about God that would come first, that he's a God of love, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of grace, he's a good God. But to be sure, God does get angry. And and the Bible calls his anger, it uses the word wrath. And let me clarify that God's wrath is not wild, God doesn't just fly off the handle. Uh, No, God's wrath is controlled. God's wrath is proportionate. God's wrath is just. And he's also slow to anger. It takes him a while to get angry, but he does get there. Therefore, God gets angry, and that's the reason why we are able to display a, good, righteous anger. And it may surprise you that I even say that that any anger is good. Perhaps if this were a Buddhist meeting, you would hear, all anger is bad. Uh, Well, the Bible actually says in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse uh, 26, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, but but do not sin. And isn't that just a way that so much of our anger works, that sometimes our anger can start from a good place, right? Something happens that we we should be angry about, but then it quickly morphs into this ugly, this evil, this dark, this uncontrolled beast. The Bible has to say, be angry, but do not sin. And again, you might be surprised that We even say that there is even any anger that's appropriate. But let me put it to you like this. Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. He was he He said, love God and love people, to paraphrase. Love God, love people, love, love. And anger and love, they kind of sit next to each other. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you love people, you will hate injustice. If you love people, you would hate injustice against people. If you love God, you'll hate sin. If you love good, you'll hate evil. Therefore, the fact that we do love means we must get angry in a controlled, proportionate, appropriate manner. And, and Jesus himself... He got angry sometimes. And to be sure, Jesus was the happiest man you will ever meet. I mean, really. He, he would go into towns and literally heal the whole town. There was so much joy around Jesus, like literally so much joy. But there were some occasions where Jesus would get angry. Famously, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 21, Jesus, Jesus cleansed the temple He was angry at the behavior of some people that were trading in the temple, essentially extorting the poor and profiting from the worship of God and putting a barrier really from the poor from worshipping God. Jesus was angry. He made a whip and drove people out of the temple. He, he drove people out of the temple. There, there would have been uh, birds, pigeons offered for the sacrifice that would have gone flying. There, there would have been coins rolling around. It was quite a scene. Jesus did this at least once. At least. Jesus got angry. But then we do well to understand why. Why did Jesus get angry? Why? That's the key. Why? And the Bible explains it in John chapter 2, verse 16. It explains Jesus' anger in cleansing the temple like this, it says, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house, God's house, would consume me. That, what it means, zeal, zeal means passion. Passion for God's house, passion for God's name, passion for God's reputation, passion for God's honor. Those were the things that got Jesus angry when, when ultimately that was being profaned. Jesus didn't get angry when he lost his keys. He got angry when his father's glory was being dragged through the dirt. That's when he got angry. And and so Jesus didn't get angry at the things that we get angry at. And the things that typically we get angry at fall into one of three categories. If you've ever been unrighteously angry, angry in the wrong way, it would fall into one of these three categories... Either your honor has been insulted, things don't go your way, or you've been stolen from. If you've ever been angry in a bad way and an a helpful way, it would fall into one of those three categories. So Jesus isn't here in the scripture that we read, isn't so much talking about the good anger, the healthy, appropriate, proportionate anger, but he's talking about the unrighteous anger. And let me say this. Perhaps you are here today and you think, you know what, I don't really struggle with anger. Perhaps your struggle is not so much that you fly off the handle. Good. But perhaps your struggle is the other side. Perhaps your struggle is that you don't get angry at all. Perhaps there are situations that God has put you in around to that you might take responsibility for situations of injustice where people are being affected where perhaps even laws are being broken that God wants you to get angry and say no that is not good enough stop it that's not right so all of us we all have something to learn whether we fall to the right or whether we fall to the left so Jesus is talking about the unrighteous anger here not the righteous type of anger and he, he says this Ultimately, he's saying that if you have anger in your heart before God, there's an eternal penalty. This is what it says. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says youthful will be liable to the hell of fire. What Jesus is doing here is he's quoting from the Ten Commandments, do not murder, which is in Exodus chapter 20, and he's explaining that you've heard this from the Ten Commandments, or you you believe this is how it should be, but actually what it means, the heart behind that commandment, thou shalt not murder, is much deeper that even if you have anger in your heart before God, it's as murder. Jesus is saying the same sickness that is present in murder is the same sickness that's present when you're angry with someone. Jesus is saying that murder is a pound, and anger are the pennies that make the pound. Enough pennies, you make a pound, but it's the same currency. It's the same stuff. And then, and Jesus goes into three sets of two. Jesus says this. He says, anger, anger leads to the judgment. Insults lead to the counsel. And calling someone a fool leads to the hell of fire. Uh, some of your translations will say, instead of fool, racker, racker. It just means empty head. It means fool. It means idiot. What's he saying? Jesus is essentially saying the same thing just three times. He's saying if there's anger in your heart before God, there's a punishment, and the punishment is an eternal punishment. So the words of Jesus here are, they're they're sobering, and we do well to consider them. So I ask you this, how are you doing with anger? How are you doing with it? How are you doing with, how are you behind the wheel? I mean really, what are you like behind the wheel? What, what, do, you, what do you do if someone cuts you up? How do you speak about other road users? What do you mutter under your breath? God cares about that. God cares about the heart. Well, how about this one? How are you with politics? Now more than ever. How do you speak to those that disagree with your political viewpoint? Does does anger rise up in your heart? How do you... What do you, how do you speak about those that disagree with you when they're not around? Are they racker? Are they fools? Are they idiots? And let me say this: Passion is important. Like passion is a good thing. In so many areas of <coughs> life, it's good to have passion. Passion is not a sin. Murder in the heart is sobering how about this how, how are you on social media how are you on social media uh, do you ultimately uh, send negative things to people that you don't even know are you essentially a, a troll or, or what have you like with your children are you like God he's slow to anger or how about with other people Perhaps friends, work colleagues, brothers, sisters. What are you like with your husband? What are you like with your wife? Uh, Are you quick to, to switch? Get angry quickly? Have you asked them? I tell you, we must repent. We must come to God and say, God, I'm so sorry for my sin, my anger. Please forgive me and help me, change me. A- and we mustn't make excuses for anger either. We, we mustn't say things like, well, I've got a short fuse. Or this is, con- this is just the way I am. Or people from my culture, we've got short tempers. We're, we're red-blooded people, people from my area, this is just how we are. no. It's anger in the heart. It's as murder before God. We must be careful, friends. We must be careful with this. And Jesus goes on from there. He he first of all starts by talking about the consequence of our anger, affecting ultimately our standing before God, and he moves from the vertical to the horizontal and talks about the consequences of our anger with other people. until you have paid the last penny. Jesus doesn't do what we think he's going to do here. He, he, He doesn't say, if you're offering your gift to the altar, and there remember that you've got something against someone else. He says the opposite. He says, if you're offering your gift to the altar, and remember that your brother has something against you, Jesus cares about when we are sinned against. He really does. And there are multiple uh, places I could take you to that he, he deals with that. One place being Matthew chapter 18. But right here, he's more concerned about the effects of our anger, how that has affected other people. Jesus wants us in our hearts, if you are a Christian here, to not have murder in your heart and not leave murder in other people's hearts. Jesus goes so far as to say that in that moment, reconciliation is more important than giving a gift. In that moment. Therefore, some of us... Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. A few verses before, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. This, These verses are a practical Jesus. Jesus is being really practical. He's saying, look... If you be a peacemaker, go and go and go and make it right. So, so far as it depends on you, go and make make it right. Go and say sorry, a heartfelt apology, heartfelt apology. Therefore, some of us this afternoon, this very afternoon, will do well to make a phone call. Some of us this very afternoon will do well to start writing letters. This afternoon, some of us would do well this afternoon to, to drive and to knock on doors. And I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, even as I'm speaking, perhaps some of you in your mind's eye are seeing faces or maybe you're seeing names. This or these are the people that the Holy Spirit is helping you with to point out that these are the people to go and say sorry to. These are the people to go and say sorry to. That's the work of the, the Holy Spirit. But you might say this. But I was wrong too. I, I was hurt. They, they did, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. But, but do you know what they did to me? I only did it because they did it first. They hurt me. Maybe so. Maybe so. Nevertheless, friends, come to terms with your accuser. Come to terms with your accuser. If you're a Christian here, you know a God that came to terms with you. You know a God that is a God of grace, a God that is a God of compassion, that sent his son Jesus to an undeserving and ill-deserving people. If you're a Christian here, it's become part of your DNA. It's become part of who you are to take steps to say, No. I'm going to forgive this person and I'm going to say sorry. Even if you feel they don't deserve it. Even if you feel they don't deserve it. You must understand that vengeance, vengeance is not yours. Vengeance is not mine. Vengeance is his. He is the judge. He knows how to appropriately repay in his own time in the appropriate way. And that takes that takes faith. That does take faith. But we must be peacemakers. We must entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. We really must. And you might say, that's a bit strong. That's a bit strong, Toby. Are, are, we, are we going to... Glaze over what Jesus says. He says some really strong things, like he says, "Whoever says you fall will be liable to the hell of fire." But we're not going to talk about that. We are, and this is this is the reality that God is many things, but one of the things God is is a judge. He's a judge, and just like a, a human judge in a human court, if there was someone, let's say, who had murdered, and there was an appropriate penalty enshrined in law, uh, the judge needs to administer that. He needs to say, well, this is the penalty. If the judge were to say, do you know what? They've pleaded guilty. There's a penalty enshrined in law, but do you know what? Let's just let him off or let her off. You and I would say, that's not right. That's not just. This judge is evil. He's not fit to be a judge. Why? Because we cry out for justice. Therefore, we, we cannot cry out for justice, and we do, and it's a good thing. We cannot cry out for justice ourselves, but then when God cries out for justice, say, no, 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 not you. No, no, we can. We're allowed to cry out for justice, but you can't. No, no, the reason we can is because he does. And sin against an infinitely wonderful, infinitely holy God is an Eternal separation as the punishment from this wonderful God. But then you may say, well, hang on a second, Toby. I've not killed anyone. I'm a good person. I've not murdered anyone. Why, Why would God be angry with me? Why would I be an enemy of God? Me? I'm a good person. Why would I be? I haven't murdered anyone. My friend, this is the exact reason Jesus says these things. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Don't you see? The standard is not, I haven't murdered anyone. The standard is heart perfection. It's an impossible standard. God's standard is impossible. None of us can fulfill it. No matter how good we think we are, there was only one person who was ever able to fulfill it. And that's Jesus. And when we look at Jesus' heart, we find something remarkable. The three areas that we stumble with in terms of anger when our honor is insulted. Well, when we look at Jesus, was Jesus' honor insulted? Well, at the cross, Jesus was stripped naked, he was beaten. They pulled the hairs out of his beard, he was spat on. Jesus' honor was insulted. Yet at the cross, Jesus had no anger in his heart. What about when things don't go our way? Did things go Jesus' way? Well, in a sense, no, they didn't. He was crucified for sin. And as he was being crucified, there was no anger in his heart. Was Jesus stolen from? But, well, ultimately, the greatest death happened with Jesus. Jesus' life was stolen from him. And there was no anger in his heart. On the contrary, on the cross, as Jesus is there bleeding and dying for sin, he, he says this Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. In Jesus' heart was love. Overwhelming, overflowing love, even as he is dying. There's no one like Jesus. Jesus was all about his Father's glory, his Father's honor, his Father's name. And Jesus, Jesus trusted. Jesus trusted that if he would be zealous for his father's house and zealous for his father's name, that his father would take care of his name. He didn't need to be angry about it. He didn't need to say, oh, how dare you say that about me? Or what what did you say to me? He didn't need to do that. He didn't get angry for the reasons that we got angry. And he trusted that him being zealous for his father's name, his father would take care of his name. And boy, has he. God the Father has lifted Jesus up. He's given him the name above every other name. At The name of Jesus, every knee will bow. That's what Jesus has done. That's what he's won. Because he didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. He didn't say, no, I'm I'm God, I'm God, don't speak to me like that. No, no, no. He he was able to just put that to the side. To to say, you know what, I'm not going to get angry about that. I'll be about his name and his fame. And, and, and what happens is, if you believe in that through faith, if you believe in this, which is called the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, this perfect law-fulfilling record is given to you for free forever. It becomes yours. You no longer have to think, oh gosh, I need to please God by um, uh, and trying to get into heaven by being really, really good. I'm a good person, come on, come on. You don't need to do that. You can quit because you will fail. The only person that was able ever able, uniquely qualified to do that, was Jesus Christ. And by believing in him, he gives you his righteousness. He takes away your sin. At the cross, Jesus absorbed the wrath of God, the wrath that was due to me, the wrath that was due to you, the appropriate holy wrath of God. Jesus drunk the cup and there is no more anger left to you if you believe in Jesus it would be unjust for God to punish you at the end of time because he's already punished his son in your place. This is the good news. Jesus, Jesus gives you this impossible criteria. Have you ever been angry in your heart once? Yes, okay, eternal penalty. It's impossible, but then he does it himself and gives it to you. And, 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 and the knowledge of this and, and the belief of this and the, the, the love of this truth is the fuel along with the Holy Spirit, to make progress with your anger. You'd be able to say, actually, do you know what? I'm choosing, I'm not going to get angry about that. Like, they said that to me or that about me. Well, I actually have more of a passion for Jesus and his house. You begin to be able to make decisions, say, no, I'm not going to get angry about that because of what Jesus has done. To earn your salvation? No, you could never. But as a proof, as result, as evidence that Jesus has given you his perfect righteousness and standing in the courts of heaven. You're able to not be worried about your own name and and, and be more concerned about uh, Jesus' name and trust that God will take care of your name and trust promises like these three promises. Uh, Promises like at the end of time, You will be corporately married to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the groom, and the church, the billions of people will come together, get married. And in that wedding ceremony of sorts, we will take his name and be associated with him and his inheritance and share in his glory and share in his ruling and reigning of the new heavens and new earth. If you're about Jesus' name and not about your own name, God will take care of your name by giving you Jesus' name. If you're about Jesus' name and not your own name, God says there's a book, a big book called the Book of Life. And in that book is every single person that will believe in Jesus Christ. Many that are not even born, their names are in that book. If you're about Jesus' name and not about your own name, God says that your name will never be be rubbed out of the book of life. Your name will stand forever and ever in God's great book. And if you choose, lastly, if you choose to forsake anger and wrath and just say, do you know what, I choose not to. I, I, it's my DNA is to not get unrighteously angry. God will take care of your name. And I don't fully understand this, but God will give you a new name written on a white stone that only you and God know. Revelation chapter two, verse seventeen. If you're about the name of Jesus, it, what happens is you just don't get so angry about stuff that doesn't matter or matters less. And so let's encu- I encourage all of us, let's let's look to Jesus for our justification and our salvation. Come to Jesus today, give him your anger. Give him your sin and receive his perfection and trust that through this and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will continue on making wonderful progress with anger. I'm just going to pray now. (coughs) Heavenly Father, I I just thank you so much uh, for your son, Jesus. I thank you for what he's done. I thank you that he took the anger of God on the cross. I thank you, Lord, that that standard of perfection is no longer required of us, but it was Jesus's to fulfill, and that's given to us if we believe in him. I thank you, Lord, that through faith in Jesus, there is absolutely no anger left towards us that believe. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't just leave us in a weird place of being of not being uh, in in your wrath, in a sense, but you help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to put to death anger and to live free and not to be captive in a prison of unforgiveness. I thank you for the freedom that's in Jesus Christ. We celebrate it today, and we love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen.